This is Cruise Radio. Now more than ever, you should consider trip insurance for any kind of trip you take, not just cruises. Get a free quote at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Very happy to have you here, my friend. A review of Royal Caribbean's Oasis of the Seas this week. Staff writer Richard Sims is here with Cruise News. And Emma from Emma Cruises, if you uh, follow any of the cruise vlogs out there, Emma is a very familiar face out there, or voice, if you listen to the podcast. So we'll be checking in with Emma just after Richard about something very special and very close to all of our hearts that she is doing. But first, staff writer Richard Sims. Hey, Richard. Hey, Doug. So it's a little throwback for Carnival Cruise Line's next LNG megaship. Yeah, this is for Celebration, and this is Super cool. Um, so we've known for a while that they were going to have um, at least one or two different zones than what they introduced on Mardi Gras, which was the first LNG ship. So on Celebration, they're introducing a bar called the Golden Jubilee Bar, which makes sense because your Golden Jubilee is 50 and this is their 50th anniversary. So it all ties in. What's really cool about this is that they're going to be basically recreating sort of parts of Carnival Cruise Line's history. Uh, They'll be incorporating things into the bar, like, for example, um, up above the bar, there'll be the etchings um, or recreations of etchings of some of the original Carnival ships, including some of the really cool designs done by Joe Farkas. Um, They're going to have a door from the TSS Carnival, which, as they put it, means you literally can walk through history. Just this entire place, there's going to be things that are either from other ships or inspired by other ships. It's going to be a super cool bar. Location-wise, it's going to be on Deck 6. On Mardi Gras, this was where the Brass Magnolia Bar was, which is a great space. And it's basically going to have the same sort of design. Like, it'll have the the two-story bar. um, It'll have uh, the dance floor and the stage. But it'll all be done in a style that sort of makes you feel like you're stepping back in time onto an old-school cruise line. You know, right down to, like, rounded windows and stuff. Like, everything is supposed to really transport you back in time. It's going to be, I kind of have been thinking of it as Planet Hollywood, except with Carnival Cruise Line memorabilia instead of like old movie memorabilia. And Royal Caribbean's next ship is heading our way. This is an interesting story. Okay, here's why. So this is Icon of the Seas, which is the first of three new LNG-powered ships. It's also the first in their new Icon class. What's kind of interesting to me here is that the Icon class ship is going to come out in 2023, but that doesn't mean they're done with the Oasis class because in 2024, they'll be releasing Utopia of the Seas, which is the last of the uh, Oasis class ships. So they're basically, they've done five Oasis class ships. They're going to do the first Icon class ship and then go back and do another uh, Oasis class ship. We don't know a lot about Icon, but what we do know, because Michael Bailey kind of like let it slip at a press conference the other day, 
is that this ship will be sailing uh, to the Caribbean. We don't know what port from, but it seems like a safe bet that it'll probably be one of the Florida ports. That's not confirmed, and it'll probably be a long time before they confirm, because they said that they would basically begin releasing the itineraries 12 to 18 months before the ship debuts. But uh, a little by little, we're getting more information about it. Yeah, and that's right around the corner. So Disney is finally returning to the Mediterranean after a couple of years. Yeah, so we're starting to get a look at Disney's 2023 itineraries. It's interesting that Disney is sort of releasing things, I think, later than a lot of the other lines. And, you know, when I say that, it's not unusual that you would only just now be releasing 2023 itineraries, but a lot of the other lines have been trying to sort of get a jump in order to get more money in the bank by releasing like 2023 and 2024 uh, sailings and encouraging people to buy in advance because, of course, then they get all that money that they can put in the accounts and earn interest on. But back to Disney. So this is their 2023's uh, itineraries. Disney Dream is going to spend the summer in the Mediterranean. In early summer, the ship will home port in Barcelona and Rome, and it'll do a bunch of like four-night and some 11-night sailings to ports throughout the Med, including their first-ever seven-night sailing to the Greek islands with stops in uh, Santorini and Mykonos, which I've never been to either, but man, that sounds like a dream cruise. Elsewhere, Disney Wonder is going to spend the summer doing Alaska out of Vancouver. The brand new Disney Wish will spend her first summer going to the Bahamas and Castaway Key out of Port Canaveral. Disney Fantasy will also sail out of Port Canaveral, um, doing a bunch of different sailings, like five nights all the way up to ten nights. And last but certainly not least, Disney Magic will spend the summer in Miami doing cruises to the Bahamas and the Caribbean. Some good news and bad news for the upcoming Norwegian Prima. Yeah, let's start with the bad news. The bad news, and we've been hearing rumblings about this for a while, but it's looking like some of the initial sailings and certainly the initial inaugural sailing is going to be pushed back. This, you know, this happens a lot with cruise lines. They they set a date and then something goes wrong at the shipyard or for some other reason they have to delay, but it does look like there will definitely be some delays in Prima. No official word on like when 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 we'll hear the, you know, what the new date will be that kind of thing but if you're booked on the inaugural you're basically canceled uh, but there's some good news especially for you doug parker because you're a fan of thermal spas mm-hmm. and this ship's this ship's thermal spa is going to be just off the i don't know if it's off the hook off the chain whatever the kids say that's what this is going to be um it's going to have the first at sea charcoal sauna now I don't really know exactly how a charcoal sauna works, but it's apparently good for pretty much everything that ails you because they say it will help treat muscle stiffness, tension, relieve headaches, backaches, arthritis, boost your circulation, help your metabolism. I mean, I basically want to live in this thing. (laughs) The other cool thing, and this part's for me, so there's going to be these two pools. There's a vitality pool and a salt flotation pool, which there weren't a lot of details about, but it sounds sort of like, you know, when you go to the Dead Sea and you can float on the salt in there, it's supposed to be really restorative and good for you. I don't know if it's exactly like that, but that's certainly what it sounds like. But what's cool is next to these two pools, there's this gigantic two-story indoor waterfall. You know I love me a good water feature. Uh, So it's everything about Prima is sort of 
uh, I don't want to say classier, but that's kind of the word that comes to mind. It's all a little bit more upscale than have been previous Norwegian ships. You know, it's sort of like the way when Carnival introduced Mardi Gras, it was sort of a step up in what they had been doing so far. This is the same thing. With this new class of ships, Norwegian is really upping the bar a little bit. And if you've looked at the pricing on it, the pricing definitely reflects it. Carnival Corporation CEO is saying goodbye this summer. I did not see this one coming. Uh, I, I was I was completely shocked. But after nine years as CEO of Carnival Corporation, Arnold Donald is stepping down. Um, he's going to be replaced by Josh Weinstein, who has been with the company for like 20 years. Right now, he's the uh, chief operating officer. Uh, Arnold will be stepping down, but he won't be leaving the company entirely. He's going to become vice chair and a member of the board of directors. This is actually the second big name we've seen step down uh, from a cruise line since we came back from the pandemic, because you'll recall that not too long ago, Royal Caribbean Group announced that Richard Fain was stepping down after a 33-year run, and in that case, they put the chief financial officer, Jason Liberty. He became the new, uh, the new head of the company. And finally, Virgin names their next ships. How many of these ships are actually sailing right now, Richard? So Scarlet Lady is sailing now. Um, the uh, second ship is Valiant Lady, which begins sailing any day now. She starts in May. The Resilient Lady will start sailing in August, and she'll be sailing out of Greece, uh, doing uh, doing like you know Mediterranean runs. The fourth ship is now we know going to be called the Brilliant Lady. Um, and they, the quote from the company was that their goal has always been to create a bright and radiant expression for our sailors, meaning their passengers, much like the sparkling seas the Brilliant Lady will sail on. Um, they also said that they picked the name Brilliant Lady to represent the smart, thoughtful, boundary-pushing minds of women around the world. They also liked that brilliant can have two different meanings. You know, it can mean not only intelligent, um, but also sort of bright and sparkly and shiny. So this will be their fourth ship. It's funny. It seems like their ships are coming out. Maybe it's just because they started before the pandemic and then we had two years with no news, but it just feels like they're coming out boom, 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 one right after the other. Uh, I will be very interested to sort of hear their financials. You know, we really don't know. Um, we haven't had a lot of information to go on as far as how well these ships are doing. I hope they're doing well because they've got four of them now. <laughs> Well, at least they have ports of call whenever they do launch and they can go like to Australia, the Med, the Caribbean. We've been talking with staff writer Richard Sims. And by the way, Richard, thank you for staying up, man. Uh, I just got off of a flight from London. We're recording this in the middle of the night and you are staying up to do this. So thank you, buddy. And uh, get some sleep, man. Talk tomorrow, Doug. You may recognize our next guest name or her voice from the BBC, New York Times or her popular YouTube channel, Emma Cruz is the amazing and talented. Emma joins us on the line. Hi there. Hello. Thanks for having me. How is it that we're just now talking in person after both doing this for so long? I don't know. And it's so strange because I know your voice so well, and <laughs> but we've never spoken at the same time. You know what I mean? It feels like we have. Yeah, for sure. We, have, we just haven't. Yeah. So thank you, Richard Sims, for connecting us. So Emma, tell us a little bit about yourself and this amazing charity you're participating in called Brave the Shave that you're about to do. Okay. So my name's Emma and I'm a cruise blogger, cruise YouTuber from the UK. And in a couple of weeks, I'm doing something which... I don't know. Some people say it's a little bit crazy. Um, I'm shaving off all of my hair 
And I'm doing it to raise money for a couple of cancer support charities. And I'm going to donate my hair. So someone else will have my hair after this shave. So um, people who watch my YouTube channel, it's called Emma Cruises, are going to notice a difference, I think, going forward. I won't have any hair. How long do you have to grow your hair? Like, how long does it have to be before you're eligible to cut it and give it to someone who needs it? So I think they normally want 12 inches of hair. I've been growing mine for a couple of years because I knew that this was something that I might want to do in the future. Um, For me, I mean, my hair is something it's just grown, you know, Mm -hmm. and I can give it to someone who doesn't have their own. So it kind of seems like a no brainer to me. Mine will grow back, but I have been quite careful. You know, I can't dye my hair or anything like that to keep it in the best condition. So couple of years I've been planning this. You know, there's a good chance that cancer has impacted our lives in one way or another, whether it be a loved one, a friend, or even ourselves. So how can we help? Everything that anyone needs is on emmacruises.com forward slash donate. Um, that's where I've got different links. I had to set up a couple because we're, we're live streaming this on YouTube. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a, a YouTube fundraiser. Um, I'm doing it in the UK for a charity called Macmillan. Brave the Shave is, is one of the things that they do. I don't know if in other countries there's a, a fundraiser for shaving your hair off, but here you know thousands of people do it per year and we're doing stand up to cancer on the youtube live stream because it's it's american so we needed an american version i know here in the states we do locks of love where you can cut your hair off once it's a certain length and donate it for the wigs it's really big in the children's hospital here how much have you raised so far so we are a little over twenty thousand dollars Which is insane. When I I said I would do this because I hit 100,000 subscribers on my YouTube channel and I thought that is absolutely crazy. Imagine 100,000 people. If I had that many people somewhere, what would I want to do with them? What would I want to say to them? And as much as I love the cruise tips and the, the ship tours and everything like that, I thought we could use this, you know, use my platform for something a bit better. So I set the goal of $50,000 not, it wasn't a joke, but it was a ridiculous goal. And I thought you can't aim too high, can you? Fifty thousand mm, dollars, right. and yeah, we, we haven't even done it yet, and we're over twenty thousand US dollars. So we, it may happen; we may hit fifty thousand dollars. That is so cool. And you said you're live streaming this. Yeah, we're live streaming it on my YouTube channel because. I feel like the community is all there on YouTube. Everyone who wants to watch this, I can't get everybody together in one room. It would be just crazy. So yeah, we're going to live stream it. Um, I'm nervous. I I do live streams every week anyway, so I'm not really nervous about the live stream bit. But you know, this is something different. This is not what I normally do on my channel. Didn't you shave your head a few years back? I did. And I'm amazed that people remember that. It was four and a half years ago. I did this. Yeah. And I said afterwards, I would never do it again. Mm -hmm. But um, the first time we raised uh, in dollars, probably about six or seven thousand dollars and I was so I was so happy with that I thought that was crazy and I just thought now I have this community if we do it again I'm sure we can raise a lot more and we already have you know some of the donations that are coming in it blows my mind it's amazing I love it Emma before we hop here I want to ask you one question and it's not related to brave the shave but while I have you on here I want to ask you so you have like P&O Morella and all those lines in the UK over here we have of course Norwegian Royal Carnival How different are the two lines? Like if you were sailing, since I know you sail a lot here in the US, I don't know, between Norwegian and P&O, let's say. Yeah, so I I started off cruising with the the US cruise lines. I started cruising with Norwegian. I cruised as a teenager, so I kind of was very used to that, and that's what I compare everything else to. Um, 
it's not a world away. We have th- certain things differently, as in in the UK, we don't really tip in the same way as you guys do outside the UK. So when we book a cruise, it normally always includes gratuities. We'll have, you know, afternoon tea. They'll have kettles in the cabins for us because they know how much we like to have a cup of tea in the morning. Um, but it, it is it is pretty similar, apart from, you know, who who is kind of on the cruises. I like both. There's There's a place for both, I think. That's interesting. So I guess it's the, the tipping culture or gratuity culture yeah. is a little bit different. So if the lines are different on a gratuity standpoint, let's just say like Norwegian, do you still have to pay the service charge daily or the gratuities for Carnival or Royal Caribbean? If we book with an American cruise line, we, we go by your rules gotcha. pretty much. But if okay. we were to book, you know, an MSC cruise or a P&O cruise or Morella cruise, all the British cruise lines now normally include them. I think we just, it's just the way we prefer to see what the price is rather than, you know, I see these incredibly low prices for the American cruises and then it's the taxes and the fees and mm-hmm. we don't have any of that. We see everything, everything in one price. Yeah, it's like uh, $250 out the door yeah. turns into like $900 at the end of exactly. the day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. What's on the horizon next for you as far as cruising? As soon as I have shaved my head, I'm heading straight to the airport and we're doing a 90s themed cruise, a kind of group cruise for me. And that is with a British cruise line called Morella. Um, they, the ship I'm going on is actually an old Royal Caribbean ship. I think it's Legend of the Seas from mm-hmm. the 90s. Yeah. And it's all inclusive drinks and we're sailing from Spain and it's going to be 90s, you know, 90s music, 90s. It's quite British, I think. It may not translate outside of the UK, but uh, three days in the sun, 90s themed everything, uh, dressing up. It's, it's going to be so fun. So will you, when you're cruising this 90s cruise, just after you do the big shave on May 3rd, now yeah. will you just be rocking rocking your new hairdo or will you be wearing a ball well, cap? Like, how do you do that? So I think most of the time I'm just going to, I'm just going to rock it. I I think women who have buzz cuts and short hair look absolutely just so cool whenever I see them. But this is a a themed cruise where it is what we would say in the UK fancy dress, meaning uh, costumes. So we're doing Scooby-Doo the first day. So I'm going as Velma. So I have a Velma wig. Um, So I probably will end up wearing wigs most of this cruise just because it's going to be so much easier without my hair in the way. Very cool. And I have an awesome time on your 90s cruise. And before you hop here, give us that resource page one more time so we can help you out as you brave the shave. Thank you so much. Everything is on emmacruises.com forward slash donate. The link to the live streams there, the link to the donation pages are there. And thank you so much for having me on this. Yeah, for sure. You have a big heart, Emma, and it's great to talk to you. Thank you so much. Have a tip or a lead on a new story? Let us know. Email tips at cruiseradio.net. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. 
top industry stories from around the world and how they'll impact your next vacation every weekday morning on Cruise Radio News. So John and his family just returned from a three-night cruise aboard Royal Caribbean's Oasis of the Seas. It left out of Port Miami and went over to their private island, Coco Cay. And John joins us on the line. How you doing, buddy? Pretty good. How are you, Doug? Good, man. Excited to talk about Oasis. And this is interesting because a lot of people, you think of Oasis of the Seas, you know, it was the world's largest cruise ship back when it rolled out. And uh, three days doesn't seem like quite long enough to explore the whole ship. So we'll take a step back here. What made you want to take this three-nighter on Oasis? Oh, that's a good question. So uh, my wife and I have two young boys. Uh, The younger of the two is one and the older is six. And so that older one had his spring break in April 2022. Uh, He's in kindergarten. This is our first what do we do for spring break sort of question. And this cruise, we looked to do some cruises, but this cruise in particular was kind of appealing because you know, it's an Oasis class ship. It's really, really nice. And yet it only did three days from Thursday to a Sunday, which worked great for my schedule. So that was really appealing. Very cool. So you make your way from Georgia down to Miami. Any pre-cruise time down there? This is a unique cruise in that beyond just myself and my wife and the two kids, we actually invited a few other family members in the sense of, hey, we're going to go on this cruise. It's pretty quick. Why don't you come with us? So we ended up having a, a good group. Uh, I forget the count right now, but let's call it roughly 12 or 13 people in total. So we felt compelled to go down to Miami the night before, just in case. So we did that. We flew down from Miami. I guess it would have been Wednesday night and stayed at the Hyatt Regency in uh, downtown Miami. Very nice. Is this your first cruise back since the shutdown? No, we actually did Allure of the Seas Mm -hmm. uh, at December 2021. Same deal where it should have normally been doing seven days, but inexplicably it was doing a quick little four-day jaunt. So we jumped on that as well. That was our first cruise back. Uh, So that got our feet wet a little bit. And then we did this one to kind of get back in the groove. And you make your way to Port Miami. How was embarkation for Oasis? So for this cruise in particular, we were very fortunate. We originally had a couple balcony rooms booked but my wife is, you know, always checking the site and found the Royal Loft Suite had just become available. We'd never done Star Class before. Nice. Uh, and so we were able to jump on that. And the reason why I bring that up is because that would very much temper the experience at the port. It was nuts. I mean, you mm-hmm. pull up and it's weird. It's like your royalty. You get off, you have your own special location at which you give your bags to special porters and they walk you right in pretty much past everybody up to, to the little suite area where you wait. So that was I'm talking smooth as could be. Nice. So from curb to ship, what would you say? It's measured in seconds. Like it would be like, I mean, it's ridiculous. (laughs) I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah. So they just, they got us in real fast. We had all of our, uh, you know, COVID tests in hand. Confusingly, our kids are both vaccinated. We have a six-year-old and a one-year-old, but the one-year-old was in a vaccine trial. So he's vaccinated as well. So that was, I'm guessing, contributed a little bit to expediting the process. They Mm -hmm. Brought us up to the suite lounge, double checked everything we needed to have in in place, which we did. And then within, I mean, so that to your point, you know, curb to the lounge was 45 seconds to a minute. I mean, if you exclude the elevator ride. And once we were up there, it was maybe 10 minutes. And then the genie came and got us. They talk about you know, running a tight ship, amazing pun intended. Uh, yeah. That was that's fast. So you make your way on board the ship. And uh, before we get up to the stateroom, like you said, you're in the, the star class and you had a genie. So is the genie, would that be considered a butler for your cruise? That's exactly correct. More the, I guess the way that Royal Caribbean tries to frame it is that, well, it's more than just a butler. See, because a butler 
uh, sort of, you know, I guess, tends to your every need, whereas this genie, why they can grant your every wish, which is a bit <laughs> uh, silly, but it, but it makes sense. It's exactly what they did. So that person was sort of at our beck and call 24-7, and it was nice. I mean, like we said, you get on the ship, our room wasn't ready, but he walked us to a bar, got us a couple of drinks, sat us down and said, okay, what do you want to do now to explore the ship while we wait a whole 20 minutes, if that, for your room to be ready? So we got the chance to do a little bit of ship exploring initially. But then again, we were whisked away to the room very quickly. Yeah. And while you were doing that ship exploring, what were your impressions of Oasis? I know you were just on Allure a few months back, but um, coming back on board an Oasis class ship, what were your impressions this go around? That's a very good question because you'd think the answer might be, oh, you know, they're twins. It's identical. But if I'm not mistaken, Allure didn't get the chance to get reamplified. It was maybe perhaps on schedule for such a thing. And then it was tabled because of COVID. If, again, this is, I think that's correct. And Oasis did in fact get the reamplification and it was very much noticeable. They had sort of spruced up a lot of the pool area for the kids, a lot of the water slides and all that for the little ones, which was you know, especially important to us, right? We have a one-year-old and a six-year-old. That's where they spend the bulk of their time. Mm-hmm. It did just seem slightly, but noticeably more shiny, uh, for lack of a better way of saying it. It's just, it was really, um, again, Allure is a beautiful ship as well. But Oasis, they really had that thing kept in tip-top shape. So noticeably, it was like cleaner and you could see like certain accoutrements, certain details, touches had been updated appropriately. So it was really nice. So you explored the ship for a little while, then made your way back up to the loft suite. Talk to us about that. How was the experience in there during your three nights, uh, space-wise, plugs, everything? Normally, you know, as I said, we've gotten to this groove where because of the kids, we've decided to get two balcony rooms that are connecting as kind of our default if we can pull it off. And prior to that, we did interiors and balconies, just depending upon what was available. And so by comparison, I mean, this was just silly. I mean, you walk in, I think if I'm not mistaken, it is the largest room on the ship. And and we were fortunate enough to get it at what I would call like the COVID price. Nice. Right? We got it right around the time that the restart had just sort of, you know, began ramping back up ever so slightly. And they were still trying to convince people to get on the ship. So our original booking of Oasis was very inexpensive. And then when we saw this Royal Law Suite, I thought, well, this is like a once in a lifetime. I'm never going to be able to get this room again. I, I can't imagine it's going to be at this price point. So, you know, we were very fortunate to get it. And even when we got it, I took one look at it and I thought, this is just absurd. <laughs> There's no nice. way we're going to be able to have enough, you know, I could do jumping jacks in that room. So it's, it's got a downstairs with like a piano area, a little library, great little like living room area, which leads to like even a true dining room area. I mean, it's got a big table with, I think like six or eight chairs. You've got your bar that was fully stocked with everything we had requested in advance. Um, that's one of the other things that Jeannie does for you on Royal Caribbean, as we discovered, is he or she will ask at great length, what kind of food and drink do you want? And sort of in what amounts and even like at what times. So we had the cooler full of your sort of staples, right? Your waters, your sodas, all that good stuff, maybe a little bit of beer, a little bit of champagne. But then every day at noon, as if, for instance, there would be some mimosas and uh, mojitos would show up. That was per our request. Uh, so the room came with that aspect. It wasn't just spacious, but it was very regimented in terms of the clockwork of what was going to show up and when. Every morning, I'm an early riser. Every morning at 5.30, somebody was there with coffee with exactly what I wanted them and same thing with, with my wife. So they, they try as best they can. I think they succeed admirably in making it a 
curated, personalized experience. And we found that over the course of the three days. I mean, you know, the things even got two stories. So we slept upstairs in the bedroom and my son slept downstairs and he had cousins with him. They were able to sleep in there. And so we were able not only to really use the room to its fullest extent, but also in a small way, almost like share it like, oh, hey, why don't you guys come to our room tonight after dinner? We're all just be on this huge balcony and, you know, watch the sea go by or, you know, um, do a sail away party or whatever. So it was really a, a unique and interesting experience in that respect. It enhanced what is otherwise an excellent cruise into just a once in a lifetime, one of a kind sort of entity. So you mentioned you normally travel like in a balcony cabin. What kind of premium are they putting on those loft suites? I know you got like special COVID pricing, but like, is it like a 50% additional? Like what can someone expect? I can only speak to the one that we got in okay. particular. Uh, and now to be fair, we've, we've since got a, a little bit of a taste of what it's like mm-hmm. to, to, to sort of outkick your coverage. And we're even looking into doing a, a lesser room, but still in the star class realm, like next year out of uh, New York. Again, we're in Atlanta. So the schlep to Miami is nearly identical to the schlep to New York. So mm-hmm. we're, we're contemplating that. And the point is that what we'd be paying for a week-long cruise in New York is 10 to 20 multiple of what you'd pay for like, a li- oh, that's a bit much, maybe like a 10 times multiple. Wow. Okay. Pay for an interior. So it's, it's, it's a very substantial increase. We got it for what I would call about a four time multiple. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that was why I thought, okay, that's look, that's still a large sum of money in total, but I think it's reasonable if you feel as though you can experience this again, just once and give it a go. That and like, you know, on future cruises, as you were alluding to, it's kind of hard to to step down once you've had that kind of service. It's like flying first class, right? Like during the shutdown, I was going out to Salt Lake City every two weeks in the wintertime to go skiing because I was getting first class tickets round trip for $400, which normally they're like $1,400. So now it's like, you know, things are back to normal or getting there and you're trying to buy a first class ticket now. You're like, oh, it's back to $1,400. It kind of stinks. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm with steerage next time. What's going on here? But in all reality, the great irony in all this is that it's interesting when you get a taste of it, because I don't think that we felt, oh, we got a taste of this and now we'll never go back. It's Mm -hmm. one of those, hey, you can kind of see the pluses and minuses to both. And if you really had to point at a negative, which is a really strong use of that word, maybe it might be the fact that the room was so sort of elegant and nice and gosh, people come and bring your meals to you. You know, you get the dining package with this, you get the drink package, you get the internet, you get everything under the sun available in your cruise fare. And so we, a couple of times did not go venture to a restaurant and instead we got it brought up to us. And we started to get the sensation of like, you know what, this thing is like a magnet. It wants to keep you in it Mm -hmm. and sort of slightly disincentivizes you from going and checking out the ship. I did not step foot in the casino, I realized, once I got off. I uh-huh. go, oh, man, I didn't even see the casino. Holy cow. Uh, because you're just spending so much time really living it up there. Yeah. So ne- next go around, we got one uh, in late May out of, I think it's Miami again. I forget. But we have, again, just the two balconies in May. And I'm looking forward to the chance of being in a room that kicks you out of it in a way. Mm-hmm. You, know, you get up in the morning, you get your stuff. And it's like, all right, come on, let's go enjoy all the amenities available to us. So each of them certainly has its own uh, pros and cons. But I will say also the flying first class, that's a little different. That is hard to swallow. Yeah, <laughs> Holy mackerel is something else, you know? So you uh, you ate a couple of meals in your uh, your loft there. What kind of uh, restaurants did you eat outside of the loft? Like, did you do any time in the buffet area, the windjammer with the kids? 
we did a little bit of that. And like, for example, the last morning, they don't serve you breakfast in the room. So we had to go down to the Windjaver, which mind you, was an extraordinarily short walk. It's like, you know, you walk out of your room, you go down one flight of stairs and poof, Mm -hmm. you're there. So that was nice that it was accessible. Breakfast, we largely had from the Windjammer brought to the room, but we did venture out and go to Chops. We went to Azumi uh, for Hibachi. Giovanni's we chose as well. We got that delivered, I believe, to the room. And all these were excellent. Normally, there would be either an upcharge or if you got the dining package, they'd be included. But again, once mm-hmm. you upgrade to Star Class, it all just comes uh, baked into it. So, oh goodness, we did one other restaurant. I can't remember which one. It was actually our favorite. It's right there on the set. I think it's called something Central Park. Like Central Park 150 or something like Central that? Central Park 150 or 150 Central there Park. You go. I forget which way it swings. But that was an astounding meal. It's one of these menus you take a look at and you're like, I'm not really even sure what you serve. Like, is what cuisine is this? Where are you pulling this from? Uh, but everyone says it's the best. And we went there one night with the kids and it was second to none. I mean, they had a lobster, thermidora, they had steak. I mean, it was like, holy smokes, something else. So I highly recommend that restaurant whose name I'm finally recalling uh, (laughs) to everybody who has the chance to do it. It's really second to none. Would a 150 Central Park be comparable to like a steakhouse experience on Royal? Yeah, it's, it's comparable. It's lateral, you know, whereas Chops seems to pride itself on more of like, you know, they have high caliber steaks and really great sides and all that. Like you'd sort of get it like a, um, let's say a Roost Chris or something on land. 150 Central Park was, I don't know, it was just unique. They, they had a lot of the similar cuisine and similar fare, but you could also venture out to get different salads mm-hmm. and really great cocktails, really good breads to start off with. So it is its own beast. I've never been to a restaurant quite like it on land. Did you do any main dining room? Not a lick. Okay. Not one. And again, that speaks to what we normally do on a cruise. That, that's part of the experience, but it's just by way of opportunity cost. It's hard to turn down you know, specialty restaurants mm-hmm. that you have at your fingertips yeah. uh, to go to dining at night. And again, the people we went with, our family that came along with us, they dined separately from us. And so that was a little like, oh, okay, well, enjoy your dinner. We'll see you afterwards mm-hmm. type of thing. Oh, and circling back, I'm so sorry, Playmakers. I forgot. We On day one, we did Playmakers. And that is also, I mean, it's like, it's really shockingly high quality bar food. Okay. That's right there on the boardwalk on Oasis. And once we got on and sort of got ourselves situated, we made our way right down there. And that was our first meal. And that was also just excellent. I mean, shocking that I, if you asked me that I like Playmakers more than Chops, I'm like, eh, kind of. <laughs> I mean, it was pretty darn good. So that, that was something else as well. Yeah, they do have good chicken wings there. That Playmakers. Oh, the, yes, the yeah, chicken sure. wings are outstanding. Thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> yeah. Did they tell you what kind of capacity this ship was sailing at? You know, my wife would know the answer to that because I believe she asked it's something in the 80 to 90%, okay. maybe even a touch more. So it was it was pretty much like, you know, pre-COVID times as far as I could tell. Okay. And that brings us to sea days. How was that as far as crowds and congestion? So we only had one sea day. That was the sea day that brought us en route to Coco Cay and then back. Uh, but that sea day was not too congested. It would get a little bit over the top here and there. We largely spent it at the pools because uh, again, you, you know, we have kids, they get locked into certain activities and they get at the pool and they'd like to go on the array of water activities. And we're like, great, y'all do that for a few hours. And so we'll just hang back and drink and just let our, uh, you know, day wear on. So, sure. but even so, I don't, I don't think it was terribly proud. You wanted to go into Windjammer and grab something real fast. It wasn't too bad. You know, Oasis class ships have a shocking tendency to almost dwarf themselves, by mm-hmm. which I mean, it's so big and you know, there's a ridiculous amount of people yet the zones sort of, 
truncate people to different spots of the ship to where you think, well, I don't really feel like this one area I'm standing at is that crowded. Yeah, no, I get it. Um, how was the entertainment on this short cruise? That was something else. So again, that's something you kind of prearrange with the genie. And we were able to do the aqua show, which is a type of 80s music show uh, the first night. It's really cool, you know, again, to speak to the, the sky class experience. The genie gets you, they prearrange what seats you get. They're yours, they're reserved. They walk you down there so you don't have to worry about, you know, waiting in line or anything like that. Uh, but the show itself was second to none. I mean, it was the coolest aqua show I'd ever seen. Because look, I'm 40 years old, right? Right in that sweet spot where you start playing mu- music from Back to the Future and the like. I mean, you got <laughs> me. Well done. I'm hooked. And so that was great. Uh, we saw the ice show, which is always a little on the artsy side. I never quite get it. But then again, I'm sure I, I blame that on me. <laughs> they did a great job. And then there was also a magician on board. Uh, who was excellent as well. And we were able, once again, you know, my son is six. We were able to sit front row and he thought that was just, he and his older cousin were sitting with us and that just blew their little minds to be able to be so close to the magician who again was awesome. So I would I would rate the entertainment as top notch. As a matter of fact, dining and entertainment and all that was so good. The only drawback was it was a three-day cruise. So mm-hmm. I didn't get a chance to really experience all of it, even though we tried. How was the entertainment around the ship, like outside of those venues, like at the uh, the pubs or piano bar? Like, did you get a chance to browse through any of those? Not really. And normally we'd like to kind of poke our head into at least one of those. Uh, maybe, you know, the, the band at the pool was always great. It's that sort of, you know, islandy, Jamaican-y sounding music. Uh, really nice that they did a great job as always. But as far as the piano bar, as far as the bands at night, Again, the little kids got us to sleep pretty early. It's just the nature mm-hmm. of it at this, in this window in life. So now nah, we didn't get a chance to see that as much as we like. But again, when we give it another go, kids are a little older. I'm sure we'll give that a look. What is Royal doing with their kids club right now? Or like, did your kids have any interest or could they even go? Or is it open right now for their ages? Yeah. So on that particular cruise, they would they have a kids club, which is all broken up into the various age groups, starting at, I think, right around your two or three range, you'd have to look into it because, you know, that particular detail really does matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, because as, a, as an example, our one-year-old, they have what's called a royal nursery. And so we, as it turns out, didn't have any use for it on this cruise. It was so short. We had all of our time already sort of blocked off with things to do that we almost didn't want to drop off the kids and get the break. We're like, no, what, whatever we're doing, we're going to go to a show. Great. Let's bring them with us. Right. So we didn't get a chance to use it that time around. But as a parent, it's always supremely important to check, is that available? Because I mean, we were on Allure. You'd be in line waiting for childcare. And at the time, they had limited the amount of time you could select. So back in December, it was like, hey, you can drop off your kids, but you have to pre-select the times you're coming. And you're really only allowed like an hour or two a day. Mm-hmm. So they gotcha. try, trying to put a good ceiling on it. Yeah, and there were sense. people in line who were just shocked by that. Uh, but we knew that going in because we had sort of looked it up and really researched. So. I'm not sure if that's still in place. I'm not sure if it was in place on our Oasis class ship. I imagine they're looking to do away with it soon enough. But I believe the kids club is open, as is the World Nursery. The only stipulation might be that cap on the time. Yeah. How was Perfect Day? Coco K is always such an amazing stop. Uh, It really is. It's It's a smart move on Royal to acquire that island and done it up the way that they did. It was great. My wife went off early with the genie and sort of reserved a spot for us near the sort of splash pad area. And then I showed up maybe an hour later with the kids, again, with the genie in tow, just bringing us all the way. I would say even unnecessarily. I remember even looking at them and going, hey, man, I can walk. Like, I'm fine. You know, no, 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 it's our pleasure. Mm -hmm. And so they bring you all the way down to join my wife. And so 
that was excellent. You know, there's always so much stuff to do there. And I think I've been there two or three times. And yet I know I've only seen 30, 40% of the island. Like it just, it draws you into all the various stops. So the kids see this slide, they want to go on it for like an hour. And so you let it, you let it go. Uh, they go to the beach a little bit further back. And again, you're kind of stuck there for a while. Uh, we didn't have any chance to do anything in terms of the cabanas or I forget the name of the area, that sort of upgraded area. Mm-hmm. Adults only, we didn't do that. Uh, but that's definitely in our future. But Coco Cay is just such a hoot and it's so clean and pristine and the staff on there are always so happy to help you. That is always second to none. When you're staying in one of the loft suites, though, are, are you able to get like uh, a cabana or any space on the beach dedicated just to you? The cabana, no. I, I know that it's often the case that folks who get the royal loft suite tend to say, "Well, Maisel, what, what's another couple grand on a, <laughs> on a right. over the water cabana?" But yeah. we just weren't in that camp. And the other thing that gets a little bit strange is it felt like it was going to be one of those things where once again it's an anchor, it's a magnet, it would keep you there mm-hmm. at that over-the-water cabana. Oh, we've already paid for it, so we may as well put it to good use. And we just didn't want to fall in that category. We'd rather have the opportunity to explore, even if ultimately we didn't explore a whole heck of a lot. So no, it does not include that. I know we had certain spots that were sequestered off as as ours, that Genie almost, for lack of a better way of saying it, kind of roped off an area for us. I don't know if you're allowed to do that on the beach as well. Uh, that have to be something you ask your genie in particular. And they're very open to communication. They'll tell you, yeah, you can do that. Or no, I can't do that, but I can do this other thing instead. Um, they're really awesome in that way. And if you wanted to do like the water park for the kids or yourself, uh, is that included or is that like an upcharge as well? That also would have been an upcharge. You would have had to pay for that just like everybody else. Yeah. Good I'm question. trying to think that uh, that beach is, what is it called? Hideaway Bay, maybe? I was just there on uh, in November. I can't remember well, the name to save my life. Yeah, that's, that's one of those things I know that I should know. Yeah, but I'm I don't too lazy to yeah. Google it right now. Um, very good. So you make your way back to Port Miami. Actually, you know what? Before we go back to Miami, let's talk about any food on the island. So we oftentimes would find ourselves eating whatever's closest on the island. I know that they've got that legendary chicken sandwich at like the snack shack or whatever mm-hmm. way back where, but didn't get a chance to try that. We just ate whatever they had at the closest buffet. And to be honest, it is really, really good. Like that's, that's the problem is that what we're doing is we're splitting hairs between excellent food and outstanding food. You know, um, when you go, the specialty dining was great, but I, you know, have no compunction going back to the regular dining. And the same thing holds for Coco K. They had tacos, burgers, cookies, everything you can imagine. And it was just outstanding. So real hot, fresh, sucked that down and went right back to drinking the remainder of the day, if I'm being honest with you. (laughs) Gotcha. So it was good. The loft suite, is that in the very, like one of those very back aft cabins? Yeah, it overlooks the basketball court and the mini golf, just to give you sort of an okay, yeah. orientation of where it is. Mm-hmm. So it, it's sort of like on a corner there because the balcony is a wraparound balcony. Yes. So on the balcony itself, it's got a bar and a huge dining room table and loungers and even like your own personal hot tub. Like it's just something else. So yeah, it, but, but in order to accommodate those, it has to be on sort of like a corner of the back of the ship and kind of raised up to accommodate the two stories. So if you think about it logically as to where it kind of has to go, it's back in that area. And there yeah. are a couple other suites that are very similar that run along that stretch right next to it. That So ours overlook, let's say, the basketball court. But you know, the neighbor a couple of doors down more directly overlooked the mini golf. And they have gotcha. a very similar setup as well. Back to the uh, loft. You said you had dinner in there a couple of nights. Is that like the genie would come in with a white tablecloth and serve whatever's in the main dining room? <laughs> yeah. So that's... Uh, 
sort of, he would usually coordinate room service to get there whatever times you wanted. And that room service would pick it up from whatever specialty dining. So for instance, one day we had Giovanni scheduled for lunch and we looked at our watches around like 11 or something like that. And I'm like, ugh, I'm not going to have time to get back to the room and get showered and changed and then go to lunch. Any chance you want to just text the genie and convert that into just an experience in the room. And so that's what they did. You just say, hey, we were going to go to the restaurant. We've changed our minds. Can we instead order these, you know, and you'd always over order. It's just yeah. silly, but you go, I want to try all this stuff. So sure. you order a host of food and they just bring it all in droves. So no, the genie him, him or herself wouldn't necessarily bring that, but they would coordinate with room service to kind of expedite it and make sure it was like on, on point. Gotcha. So you make your way back to Port Miami. How was debarkation? Is it as, um, as hands-on and as bougie as uh, the embarkation? Bougie. That was a great adjective. That's exactly right. So <laughs> it was in the sense that, you know, we had a time that we told the genie we'd be ready to get off. He came to our room, got us, helped us carry our bags down. We didn't wait. So like, you know, normally at the, I guess it'd be right in the Royal Promenade, there's like a line of folks ready to get off. We went to guest services and there's like a little back door that I never knew existed. He sort of said, yeah, come follow us around this way. And so after we were down in the elevator, we made our way to guest services. He led us through a little back door and poof, out on the deck we were. And he brought us down the gangway until we kind of got right to the terminal. And that's when he sort of said his goodbye. Okay. Um, and so we said goodbye, but he handed us off to somebody else who worked at the terminal, who then brought us the rest of the way through security and all that. And so security is still doing their facial recognition mm -hmm. as a way to get you off relatively quickly. So we bypassed the line and we're right at the front of that line of people. Uh, confusingly, the way it works is, you know, you, you've got your masks on. And so you have to pull your mask down to take a look at your face to make sure it matches with whatever information they've got on you. And they said, usually little ones. So you'd think the one-year-old may have an issue because his passport photo is when he's like three months old and now he's mm -hmm. like 15 months old. Uh, but confusingly, my wife got flagged and they just said, oh, something went wrong there. So then if that happens, you have to go into the line and then go through the normal process of like showing your passport to the customs agent, answer the question of, do you have anything to declare and all that? It's unbelievable. You think, oh man, that's going to slow us down. Nope. They brought us to the front of that line and we got to kind of go right in. So it was, it was really just this sort of top-notch service, like in every possible facet, even when something goes wrong, it still really didn't go wrong. It was corrected insanely quickly. It's crazy. Like these days, just because we're so used to convenience, like, you know, I don't know, just like even going to the store and saying, oh, you got to put your chip inside or, hey, you have to come to this line for extra screening, or in your case, come to this line for security. It's like, Okay, let me rearrange my whole day just to do this because you know we're used to going <laughs> everything so fast these days and on the go. No, you're exactly right. I don't I don't understand how people go and walk through grocery stores. No, no, no. Right. I just go. I, it just shows up my doorstep. I yeah. have no interaction with the person, and I you know end a transaction. So I'm sure, yeah, it's, it's ubiquitous. But yeah. again, they they did a great job at the Port of Miami, as far as we could tell. And so again, we're we're headed down there soon. Now that I think about it, the one in May is in Miami, and so. I have no worries about it being anything but swift. Any first time tips to offer someone sailing Oasis or heading over to Perfect Day? You know, the Oasis class ships are, well, one of a kind, perhaps is a poor way to say it because there's so many of them, but they clearly have figured, they meaning Royal Caribbean have figured out their sweet spot. I mean, they're largely doing, you know, copy paste with a few adjustments for each one of these new ships. I've heard Wonder is excellent and they've got a few new different offerings. And so I would say, try to make your way to any Oasis class ship. Oasis itself is, I think, kept noticeably better than others. But if you can get yourself on a Symphony or an Allure, 
uh, don't hesitate because there is so much for you to explore and do. You will never have a dull moment. It, it's just the opposite. You're going to look back and say, man, I just didn't have enough time to do everything that I wanted. So that's what I would advise is do your best to enjoy yourself, relax, and try to see as much as possible, knowing full well, almost certainly, you're not going to see it all. And that's okay. Because as I understand it, they let you book other cruises afterwards. So you can go do it again. Yeah, I think we uh, might know the answer to this next question. But what was the biggest highlight of this cruise for you? Yeah, it's the obvious. The Star Class experience Mm -hmm. was a way to elevate the cruising experience to a whole new level. It opened up a door to like, hey, instead of being in what I thought were very spacious, you know, balcony rooms, you'd be in this just basically like an apartment is what it really was. It was like a New York city apartment or it was like a big hotel suite. And you just were able to relax and be treated like a king or queen for as long as you were on there. Anything you needed, you could, all you had to do is ask. And the worst they could say was, no, we can't do that as it turns out, but at least the opportunity to ask even the silliest things like on a lure, you know, we, I, needed a crib in my room for my little one. And it was that you could tell they were short staffed and it took a little longer than expected. On Oasis, I actually asked me of two cribs, like one upstairs and one downstairs, just in case. And I mean, they were there in under like three minutes with those. Something about wow. that that just says, yes, give these people everything they ask for instantaneously that I've never experienced before and not sure how much I'm going to experience that again. But that was a, a real eye opener to that sort of brand of cruising. Yeah. So what are your final thoughts of Oasis of the Seas? Man, I, my wife and I have just inadvertently become loyal to Royal. I mean, they do such a great job. And so we're, we've got right now, I think like May and July and December, all booked on Royal Caribbean and we're looking to get our 2023 lineup. So the Oasis does such a great job at just keeping everybody happy all the time as best they can. The staff are so nice. The you know cruise is so spit shown clean, like it's just something else. And so we all I want to do is see more of that to be honest. You say you're loyal to Royal now. Were you hopping around before that? A little bit. We had hit Diamond on Royal a little while back. Uh, and there was a time at which that would grant you access to what's called the Diamond Lounge, which is no longer in place. But we did do a lot of carnival when we were younger, when we didn't have kids. Uh, mm-hmm. We you know, we did occasionally try some celebrity Norwegian. So most of it was balancing between carnival and Royal. But with a young family, it is really hard to justify, in our opinion, steering away from Royal and nothing against Carnival. I mean, they're an excellent brand as well. When my kids are a little older, I fully anticipate going back and trying some of them. But for a little while, we are definitely, you know, it's Royal Caribbean cruises and like Disney World, I think, are in the, my next decade of life. Yeah. Your son will be wanting to do that roller coaster on Carnival next. So uh, on Mardi Gras. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> deliberately not showing it to him. Right. <laughs> I don't want to have to explain that away. We've been talking with John about his three night cruise on Royal Caribbean's Oasis of the Seas out of Port Miami. John, thanks so much for coming by and sharing your review, my friend. Oh, thanks for having me, Doug. We really appreciate all that you do. All right, Dougie, let's see what we got for you, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Get cruise news, ship reviews, and money-saving tips every Thursday on Cruise Radio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show. If you want to help spread the word, give Cruise Radio a five-star review. Find Cruise Radio where you listen to your favorite podcast or online at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.